welcome to another powerful message recorded live at Christ Encounter Ministries in Longobon. We trust that you'll be truly encouraged and blessed by this message. Morning family. Welcome to Christ Encounter Ministries. Thank you so much for tuning in on our YouTube live channel. If you are, in fact, watching this live, why don't you give us a shout out? Let us know that you are there and uh, we appreciate all your support. If this is a recording, welcome. It's so wonderful that you have taken the time to spend with Jesus. So family, this ministry and this thing that we are doing It's not from a position of me trying to get recognition or get a cool message for you or try and do something for you. I do not get any remuneration from this. I do this in obedience to Jesus and from a deep personal love for him and then a love for you, the sheep. So my heart is always to try to hear from the throne room of God. My heart is always to try and deliver a message on behalf of God. My heart is always to glorify Him and not glorify me. My goal is for you to have an encounter with God through me as a vessel and to the best of my abilities convey what I perceive that God is saying. So you need to know that I don't try and Work out a cool message for you. I don't try. I don't download messages. I don't try and do my own thing. I don't try and be cool or anything like that. I try for the best of my abilities to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and the best of my abilities to convey what He is saying to me. So this message, we are in a message. Which way to turn? It's about. Uh, uh, decisions and the decision making. This decision, this this message is completely off track to what I had planned. It is completely different to what I envisaged and I studied in in my in my my own personal time based upon the topic. Which way to turn? So from the moment that I started to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and started to try to be a pen in, the, in, the, in, in his hand or a vessel for him, these messages are birthed. And so I really believe that this is a message from the heart of God. I'm very careful to say, thus says the Lord. But I do know that I spend a lot of time praying, fasting, listening, being obedient to do my best to give you a word from God. Do I get it always right? Man, I, I, I would love to hope so. But the scripture says that only a fool thinks he knows everything. And so I humble myself before God and I, and I really trust in him to speak to you through me. So before we, we, we get going and get into this word, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Let's trust in him for an encounter with him through me as a vessel for his glory. So once you bow your heads wherever you are, 
Let's get in faith. The Bible says with two or more gathered, there I am in his name. So focus on Jesus for a moment. Let's gather in his name. Even if this is a recording that you are listening to at a later time, it makes no difference. At this moment, let's connect with the Holy Spirit. Let's open up our hearts. Let's in the name of Jesus be gathered together and trust by faith that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ will be with you. And that he's the teacher and he will open up the scriptures and reveal his mysteries to you. So let's get in faith. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we are gathered today at the sound of this message or even at this moment. And we are gathered in the name of Jesus and Holy Spirit of the living God. We all seek an encounter with you, not with church, not with man. But with you, Lord, your word says that the kingdom of God is not of word, but it is of power. So we pray for your power to be manifest across the airwaves, across the sound waves. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you will manifest your presence, that you will reveal your power, and that every person listening or watching will feel a tangible presence from you now. In Jesus' name. I pray like hot oil, Holy Spirit, you will wash over the people listening. I pray that you will wrap your arms of love around them and that they will feel your presence and they'll feel your anointing falling and just washing away all stress, all fears, all worries. That they will taste of you and know that you are good. I pray for your peace to fill every heart right now. I pray, Father God, that you will open up their eyes, that they may see the marvels, and the wonders of your incredible word. And I pray, Spirit of the living God, I humble myself before you. As nothing more than a servant and a messenger of your word, not my own. How could I take credit for anything, Lord? I know where I was when I found you. I was nothing, and I'm nothing without you. So all glory, all honor, everything to you, Jesus. I bind anything and everything in me that would try and steal your glory, any pride, any self-promotion, any self-agenda. And Holy Spirit of the living God, I submit to you as a mouthpiece. According to Matthew 10 verse 20, speak through me clearly, with authority, with power. Your living word carried by your anointing through the airwaves, through the sound waves, and will touch and change every heart and every mind listening, unhindered by anything in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, say Amen. Family, say this after me in faith. So I believe and I declare that my heart is receptive, that my spiritual ears are open to receive only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying to me today. If you believe that, say Amen. Praise 
Jesus. Praise Jesus. It's so wonderful to get in the presence of God and to just the reality of being a Christian. The reality of the living God. And it's just so wonderful when we just surrender and we just submit to Him and we can feel His presence. We can feel His touch. And it's just such an incredible, incredible time. So family, which way to turn? Which way to turn? I think so many of us have asked that question so many times. And especially now in these moments, in these times, in this apparent end of the age where the enemy is really just upping the ante. And the scripture says, I think it's Revelation 12 verse 12, Woe to the earth, for the devil has come down with great fury, for he knows his time is short. And so he has been accelerating his plan, accelerating it. You can see it right across the world. And now more than ever, we as, as Christians, the true Ecclesiastes Church of Jesus Christ, the spirit-filled church, the five virgins that went into the bridegroom, not the five virgins whose lamps were full, but the five virgins filled with the spirit, filled with the oil, that had a relationship with Jesus, that went into Jesus. We need to be that church. Scripture says that there's a great shaking taking place. Everything will be shaken. Everything. The Christians, the non-Christians, the economy, the everything. Everything that people depended upon. Everything that people trusted upon. Everything that people relied upon gets shaken. And if your trust and your reliance and your, your dependence is not on Jesus Christ, then you will fall. But this is a time where the shaking takes place and and all the unshaken start to rise to the surface. And the true Ecclesiastic Church of Jesus Christ is revealed. And you know, if you're not where you need to be, it's never too late. It's never too late. You too can surrender your life at this moment. If you're not where you want to be, we'll give you an opportunity at the end of this message. But you can become the Ecclesiastic Church of Jesus Christ. So family... To be led by the Holy Spirit or to be, to be led to make the right decisions, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You cannot make the decisions that you need to make at any time and especially now unless you are effectively led by the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. I can account many times in my life where the Holy Spirit has, through Him guiding me, has led me in specific directions and to do certain things. When I wanted to do completely the opposite way, and the opposite thing, and in those moments, and I realized on the other side how He spared me from great consequences, even life and death situations, because I was led by the Holy Spirit. Then there are equally other times when he told me to do certain things or not to do certain things and I didn't listen to him and then there were consequences that I had to go through because the justice of God will not be mocked whatsoever man sows that he will reap and so many of you might be thinking well 
I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. But how do I hear the voice of God? How do I be led by the Holy Spirit? And many people uh, feel that way right now. But let's look at John 10 verse 27. In the words of Jesus. He says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. So according to Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, you have a promise in the word of God that Jesus is saying, my sheep hear my voice. So we need to believe and accept by faith what the Bible says is true. And if Jesus says his sheep hear his voice, then we hear his voice. But the scripture has a context in it which shows that it's conditional. Because where Jesus says, my sheep, hears my voice, that word my in the Greek is the word emos. That word means of me. This talks about people that are of Christ, people that are united with Christ, people that have a close and personal relationship with Jesus. And those who are born again. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit known as the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8 verse 9. Listen carefully. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but you, as a born again Christian, are in the realm of the Spirit. Wow. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, you see, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, they do not belong to Christ. Wow. That's a scary thought. You see, when you are born again, you function not in a flesh realm. You function in the realm of the Spirit, if you are born of the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit begins to dominate your life, and you're not dominated by your flesh. Now, this is not an instantaneous transition. This is a gradual process. It's a gradual growth and a gradual change. But as you progress in life, more and more, you will see the fruits of the Spirit beginning to dominate your life as you function in the realm of the Spirit. And then that is proof that the Spirit of Christ is in you. That is proof. Then you know that you belong to Jesus. If you are a born-again Christian and you have a foul mouth and you've had a foul mouth ever since you've been born again for the last year, you're in trouble. If you're a born-again Christian and you're still doing the things that you know that you shouldn't be doing, being dominated by your flesh, and you're not growing slowly but surely, you're in trouble. And we need to look at these scriptures and just take them for what they are and believe them and accept them. So the proof that you are a born-again Christian is that you function from a spiritual realm perspective, that the Holy Spirit starts to lead you and starts to dominate your life, 
and not your flesh dominating your life. The scripture goes on to say in that scripture where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. The fact that he says, my sheep hear my voice tells us that they are listening to his voice. They are carefully perceiving what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. This means that they have a relationship with Jesus. The scripture says, Jesus says, I know them. And that word know in the Greek, this is going to blow you away. It is the word gnosko. This talks about a very deep and personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. He says his sheep know him. That word gnosko doesn't talk about a head knowledge. It doesn't talk about knowing about Jesus. It doesn't talk about knowing religion. It talks about a deep, intimate and personal knowledge of Jesus. Do you know that word gnosko? It is a Jewish idiom. And an idiom, the word idiom, I had to look it up because I don't know what an idiom is. Maybe I should have put a T on the end there at that moment. <laughs> but an idiom, it is a very expressive term. So that word gnosko, it is a very expressive meaning. Now this is exactly from the original translation. And you know what it says? It says the act of a man and a woman, a husband and wife, in intimate, personal relationship. Yes, making love. And you see, that is the, the picture of how Jesus wants his church to be. He doesn't want you to just know about him, to read about him. He wants personal, quiet, deep, intimate love relationship. That kind of relationship that is reserved only for a man and a woman and a husband and a wife. This indicates a very specific, a very personal, a very sacred, a very holy, a very intimate time with Jesus. I mean, why wouldn't he? Because he calls us his bride. He calls the church his bride. He calls us his bride. Ephesians 5 verse 26 says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, who? His bride. With the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that the church, his bride, should be holy. And without blemish. This what I'm doing right now by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God. I am washing you. I am cleansing you. And I'm directing you and leading you to how Jesus Christ wants and expects you to be. His precious bride. His very own lovely and beautiful Wow. He paid for you with his very own life. He'd given up everything. He used his life as ransom to pay for you. He came from heaven 
stripped himself of all power for one reason, to save his bride, his precious bride. And just like any beloved husband, any beloved husband that has a a fiancé, that has a bride that is given up so much for, he wants his bride to be pure, to be set aside for him. He wants his bride not to sleep around. He wants his bride not to flirt with the devil, flirt with the kingdom of darkness. Just as any husband who has given up so much for his bride, he expects his bride to be preparing for their wedding day. But so many Christians, so many Christians today prostitute themselves. They prostitute themselves to the kingdom of darkness. They flirt with the kingdom of darkness. And you might be saying, well, hang on a second. How can you say, how do I prostitute myself? James 4 verse 4, listen carefully. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is in enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. God sees that church that is befriending the world as, a, as an adulterer, as an adulteress. Now, I want to give you just an illustration that would just let you grasp the revelation of this. Can you imagine if you were preparing to marry someone? And you loved that person so dearly. And you sacrificed so much of your time, so much of your effort. Some ladies spend so much time trying to get in his shape, getting their dress, doing all the things that men, men also try to do the same. Some men work really hard. They sacrifice their money. They sacrifice their time. They do everything that they can to prepare for this precious and special moment with their with their bride or their bridegroom. We even see the example in, in Scripture in Genesis 29 verse 15 where Jacob worked 14 years for Rachel. And, and the, 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 the uncle that he worked for done him in. He, he was terrible to him, but he sacrificed 14 years for his precious bride. Now, can you imagine now, you're preparing. You have done so much. You are ready. And then your fiancé starts to begin to engage and flirt with your greatest enemy. Can you imagine that your family line, your history, there was this enemy that, that, that killed your family, that raped your family, that murdered the babies in your family line, that poisoned their crops, that stole from them, that oppressed them. That brought great destruction to them. That reaped absolute havoc to them. And now your precious bride. Now your precious bride. 
spends time with this enemy. Listens how this enemy uses your name as a curse word. How this enemy openly mocks you. How this enemy makes movies showing how he's murdered your creation. Makes movies showing how he turns people that are created in the image and the likeness of God into zombies. Shows how the image and the likeness of God are being destroyed, murdered, raped, perversions, sexual misconduct. And this fiancé sits by and watches how his precious bride that he loves so much defiles herself, prostitutes herself with the enemy, with his greatest enemy. And not only that, she creates for herself so many idols. So many idols. The idols of, us, of, their, of their phones, idols of social media, idols of TV, idols of themselves. They start to follow people that are on the way to hell. They, they look at movie stars and people that are so corrupt and so messed up and they instead of looking at the word and how Jesus wants them to be the precious spotless bride, they are on Instagram, they are on social media, they are on all of these platforms and the world is dictating to them and showing them and programming them how they should be. And then when the precious bride squeezes a little bit time in for her fiancé, what does she do? She takes her idol with her. Takes her idol with her in the sacred place. In the holy place. The place where you're supposed to have intimate knowledge, relationship with Jesus. And every time the idol speaks, every time a message comes through, what do you do? Look at your idol. No, child of God, don't be mistaken. Don't be mistaken. He is a jealous God that loves His creation, loves His bride. Family, the Holy Spirit speaks to us on so many levels. He has spoken to you. One time in your life, He has spoken to you about certain things and now He's become silent about certain things. Do you remember in your life a time when there were certain things that you knew in your heart was wrong? Do you remember a time when you started to watch something or do something, maybe the first time you saw porn, and you just knew, it's just, it's just not right. Your flesh wanted to do it, but you just knew in your heart, hang on a second, this is not right. Or maybe the first time when you watched tremendous violent movies and horror movies and things, and just in the, in the beginning you just knew, you know, but hang on, I just I want to be entertained. Or maybe when you just knew that there were certain things that you shouldn't have done. And in the beginning, in your heart, and you just knew, hang on a second, this just is not right. This just You knew that it isn't right. But the more that you theorized it, the more that you justified it, the more that you'd done this, and the more that you suppressed 
the voice in your spirit. And the more you allowed your flesh to dominate, the more acceptable it came. And the more louder the voice in your flesh came and the more quiet the voice in your heart became. And that means that the Holy Spirit has now left you. In that area in your life, He has has spoken to you in your conscience. He has done everything that He can to lead you on the right path. But you have made your own free will decision that you have chosen to go down that road and the Holy Spirit, grieved, has lifted His grace from you at that moment. He's lifted His hand of conviction from you at that moment. And your conscience, through the speaking of the Holy Spirit, has been seared. It's like if you take a, a steak on a, on a boiling hot stove and you, and you sear it. You burn it. You, 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 you seal it that nothing can get through. And the scripture says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 2, having your conscience seared as with a hot iron. The New Living Translation says their conscience is dead. And many of you are doing things that you shouldn't and that you knew that you shouldn't have done or that you knew that you should have done. But your conscience has been seared and the Holy Spirit has left you in those areas. Scripture says, Romans 1 verse 28, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile To retain the knowledge of God. Just as they didn't think it worthwhile to listen to the Holy Spirit. Just as they think it not worthwhile to do what the scripture says and be obedient. So God gave them over to a depraved, reprobate and evil mind so that they do what ought to be done. So the more you choose to do these things, even though God is convicting you and you decide not to, He gives you over to that evil and reprobate mind and you do what not ought to be done. And the fact that you're doing it doesn't mean that it's right. The writer Paul carries on to say in verse 29, and he gives us signs. He says, these are the signs of people that have been given over to their depraved mind. These are the signs of people that if they're living in these areas in their life, if they've got strongholds in their life in this area, the Holy Spirit of grace, the Spirit of of Christ that is supposed to dominate you and not your flesh dominating you, has withdrawn. Now listen carefully. And if there are any errors in your life, do not be deceived. You need to repent. Paul carries on and says this. He says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin. So what he's saying, he's saying, look, they are living sinful lives. He essentially can't put everything here in the category of this. But if you have Every kind of wickedness, if you are living in sin, and he carries on to say greed, that's selfishness, that's greed, that's just me, 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 not wanting to help anybody, 
Not wanting to pay tithes so that the church can help people. You just want to keep everything for yourself. Hate. Envy. That's longing after other people's talents. Other people's possessions. And being indignant of other people's success. When you see someone doing well or you see someone expressing their talent well. And being upset about that and being indignant about it. That is envy. That is so dangerous because many of these people are living out the blessings of God. You can never judge a person's harvest until you know the seed that they've sown. They are back. Uh, uh, they are murderers, quarreling. That's disagreeing, arguing, division, deception. That's lies, over-exaggeration, for deceit, malicious behavior, and gossip. Wow. How many of us fit in this category? What is gossip that's saying anything about someone that you would not say if they were right next to you? Or that's if you are saying something to someone about another person that causes them to create a different impression about that person. You cannot judge. They are backstabbers. Wow. Two-faced people. People that betray trust. Haters of God. Insolent. What is that word? That's rude, cheeky, unsubmissive and rebellious people. Proud and boastful. Man, just look at Instagram. Just look at Facebook. Just that, that's why we're not even on that. Everybody is just so proud and just so boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. That means you're an arrogant and you know-it-all attitude. They break their promises. That's a big one. The Bible says you've got to keep your promise even if it hurts you. Unless you speak to, if you make a promise to someone and you can't do it, don't just drop it. If you can keep it, keep it. If you can't speak to that person and allow them to absolve you of that promise. But you keep your promises. They are heartless. That's cruel and callous and selfish. They have no mercy. That's spiteful. People that hold grudges. Now the last part is very interesting. Verse 32. Listen to this. They know God's righteous decree requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Wow. But the interesting thing is they know God's righteous decree. This is talking about Christians. These are Christians that know that it's God's righteous decree. They know that they should not be doing this. They know that they should not be lying, deceiving, backstabbing, quarreling, being cheeky, disobeying. But still they continue to do this. Now family, to be properly and effectively led by the Holy Spirit of God you need to be a real child of God. Now, 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 just hang on a second now. I don't know about you, but there are areas in that, that scripture that I just spoke that I need to grow in. 
there are areas that are mentioned that I also need to grow in. So this is not a point of condemnation. This is a point of where we need to analyze our life. We need to be washed and cleansed by the word and we need to identify areas in our life and say, hang on a second, we need to fix this. So as a child of God, we need to be consistently improving our obedience. Now listen to me carefully. You cannot claim to be effectively led by the Holy Spirit if he can't lead you in the very basic fundamentals of good living. You can't proclaim to be led by the Holy Spirit if you are disobeying him about causing strife. You can't proclaim to be led by the Holy Spirit if you are disobeying by telling lies. You can't proclaim to be led by the Holy Spirit on the greater things if you are not being obedient in the smaller things. We need to be obedient and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The most encouraging thing for me, family, is when the Holy Spirit leads me in the smaller things of life. Just in the small things. Because then I know that I'm connected to the Holy Spirit. For example, we as a family, there was a movie that came out. It was kind of a kid's movie. And we were all excited to go and watch this movie. And we went to the movies and we got all our popcorn and all our stuff. And we were really thrilled and excited to watch this movie. And we went and we sat down and, the, and everything was fine. I was really excited. And this movie started. And straight away, the Holy Spirit said to me, No. Just in my heart and in my conscience, I just felt something's just not right. And so I, I listened to my spirit. And I, and I tried to, to analyze, is there anything that may have caused me to have this, this, this kind of this, this perception? And I realized that the Holy Spirit was trying to save us for something that was in that movie. And then my family, I spoke to them all, and I just thanked the Lord that they trust me, they trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in me. And we left that movie. And there's so many other times that the Holy Spirit might speak to me about small things. I might be watching a movie or watching something, and in the natural, it seems fine. But the whole time, the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 this is not right. And so I become obedient to the Holy Spirit. And it, it's the, the most wonderful thing to know that if He can speak to me about the smaller things in my life, how much more the bigger things. And then I make it a, a, a purpose and I make it an effort in my life to try and be obedient to the Holy Spirit as much as possible in the small things in life. Even if it seems silly. Things like if you walk past the bin and you throw the paper and you miss the bin. You know, the Holy Spirit says, mm, that's not right. And I'll be obedient and I'll turn around and I'll go and pick that paper up and I'll put it down. Or if you go shopping you maybe fill your trolley or your basket and then you get to the queue and you see, oh man, that's a long queue. But you spend half an hour filling your trolley and then I don't just leave my trolley there. I go and I listen to the Holy Spirit and I put everything back where it seems to be. Or what about when you're in conversation and you have all the right to say something and you might have all the answers, but the Holy Spirit says, mm, no. And you become obedient. And you see, you begin to cultivate 
a life of being connected to the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit on the smaller things in life. And you start becoming obedient to the Holy Spirit and this develops this life of being able to follow the Holy Spirit. You see, family, God wants us to be obedient. That is one of the most important things. If you can't be obedient on the small things, you're never going to be trusted on the big things. Many of us are believing in God for these great and wonderful things. But God first wants you to be obedient. He wants you to be proved that you are trustworthy. He's not going to bless your business if you're living in fornication and he's telling you not to. He's not going to bless your business if you're in adultery and and he's telling you not to. He's not going to do all of these things and trust you with the greater things if he can't trust you with the smaller things. You see, the scripture says in 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 that obedience is better than sacrifice. So you can make a lot of sacrifices, but the key is being obedient. And we we can't look at our lifestyles, we can't try and find loopholes, we can't try and theorize things, we can't try and change things, we can't try and find teachers that are trying to that are that are telling us stuff that it's okay. Because 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says that we must reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We do not try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God. And all those who are honest know this. So family, are you going to mess up? Absolutely you're going to mess up. But what we need to do is have a repented attitude. We need to always ask God for forgiveness. And God will always cleanse us of our sin. 1 John 1 verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, family, it's God's job to clean us up. Absolutely. But it's our job to surrender and repent and obey. So, family, I want you to get something. I want to give you a revelation because so many people, they don't like the style of preaching. I know that there are so many of you listening to this right now, so many of you out there that are feeling really condemned. You're feeling really in a position like, man, it's, it's going to be impossible for me to please God. It's going to be impossible for me to, to, to live this holy life that you're speaking about. It's impossible for me to, to, to get anything from God because I don't deserve anything from God. But the fact is that is, the, is a lie from the pit of hell. You see, family, when I was started my, my journey in a holy life, I started at the absolute lowest level that you can be. You might think, okay, well, you know, I'm living this holy life and all things. Listen, I didn't get you overnight. When I started to pursue my journey of a holy life, I was 15 years addicted to hard drugs. I was a convicted criminal. My life and my lifestyle was sin to the max. And listen, Beyond, my friends, the people that I hung out with, the, the, the circles that I was in, they consisted of criminals, of gangsters, of prostitutes, of homosexuals, of drug addicts. And every single person that everybody would 
as a Christian would lift their nose up to. But you see, when I gave my life to Jesus, that moment at that point, although that I was so messed up in my sin, although that I had a journey of 20 years of growing and still growing, that moment of submission and surrender to Jesus and being born again, I was made right with God. You see, the thing is, there is nothing that you or anyone else could ever do to earn God's love. There's nothing that you or anyone else could ever do to earn anything from God. He loves you now as much as he will love you when you have become the most holy person on the planet. He doesn't love you any less. He doesn't love you anymore. He loves you unconditionally with the love of God. You see, we are not made righteous. Now listen to me. You are not made righteous with God by anything that you can ever do in the natural. Because the standard to be righteous with God is just too high. The holiest person on this earth that is trying to be righteous with God that is not born again. Is just as unrighteous as the worst sinner in this world. Both of them will never make the standard that God requires. And many of us look at it from that perspective and we think, well, you know, we've got to be really holy to be pleasing to God. But that's not the case. You could never do that. It would be impossible. You see, the scripture says in Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the moment of rebirth... The moment when someone repents, the moment that I repented as this sinner, as this lost person, I was more righteous and holy before God than the most holy and righteous person that was not born again. You see, it's not about what you do, but who is in you. Now, I want you to get a revelation of this. I'm going to go deeper now. Stay with me. We look at the situation where Jesus was on the cross with the two robbers. And we read in Luke 23, verse 29. Now we need to understand that these robbers, to earn the sentence of the cross, they must have done something horrific. This was the worst, worst, worst sentence. There were many other sentences that they could have had, but they were sentenced to the most horrific uh, punishment that there could ever be, and that was the cross. So one, uh, Luke 23 verse 29, one of the criminals who, was, who were hanging there was hurling abuse at Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one answered and rebuked him and said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, I like that, saying, saying over and over, Jesus, 
remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. So that second criminal, regardless of his past, was immediately made right. Why? Because he repented. He acknowledged and took ownership of his sin. And he repented of his sin. And he acknowledged Jesus as God. And he was made righteous with God. And that criminal on the cross was more righteous than the most religious Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the priests who were actually crucifying Jesus. Wow. Think about that for a moment. Now we look at Luke 18 verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Wow. Let me just repeat that. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one a tax collector. So now Jesus is giving us an example of the most holy and righteous person and of the most lowest of the low. And you might, we have a different perception. We, might, we know that tax collectors are not great. <laughs> but the thing is, in those days, the tax collectors represented the Roman Empire that was oppressing the Jewish people. And they were, they were reviled and, and hated amongst them. They were betrayers. They were, they were oppressors. And so Jesus was saying, there are two people. The most holy pastor, preacher that you know. Think about it. And the other, the tax collector. The criminal. The drug addict. The prostitute. The homosexual. And the Pharisee, the pastor, the preacher stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. Or even like this criminal. I fast twice a week and give a tithe of everything that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. And he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Friends, I tell you today, I believe, because I come from that lifestyle, that right now that there are criminals there are drug addicts, there are homosexuals, there are prostitutes that are more righteous in the eyes of God than many religious people today. There are many of those people like I was that are crying out, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. 
Have mercy on this drug addict. Have mercy on this criminal. Have mercy on this person. And I was more righteous at that moment in repentance than most of the religious people today. And we need to consider our lives. How are we? Are we the Pharisee? Are we the ones that are looking down on these people? No, no, we can't associate with them. We can't, uh, uh, we too holy, we too righteous. Did you see that person? Did you see what they were doing? Be very, very, very careful. Be very, very, very careful. Because I was one of those people. I was the criminal. And if God could see in me what he's doing today, how much more many of the others. You know, Jesus will always leave the 99 for the one. Always. He will always leave the 99 white sheep for the one black sheep that has fallen in the ditch. And you'll go search for that sheep and you'll pull that sheep out and you'll carry that sheep. And when those all little white sheep start bleating and start criticizing and start judging the black sheep, Jesus will back that black sheep all the way, all the way. So there is always, always redemption. There is always that second chance. You see, the thing is, it's not about who you are. It's about who is in you. You can never earn the righteousness of God. You can practice righteousness. You can practice a holy life and that's required. But you can never earn it. But the moment you become born again. And that moment that the Holy Spirit unites with your spirit. And the, and the scripture says that he places a seal on you. And he rescues you out of the kingdom of darkness. The scripture says that the, the spirit of Christ unites with your spirit. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. God made the one who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we would become the righteousness of God. So that drug addict prostitute at the moment of rebirth is just as righteous with the righteousness of God as that holy, holy person that is reborn. Because when God looks at that person, he doesn't look at the standard of the natural person. He looks to see if Christ is in him. And because Christ is united with you, you are as righteous as Jesus Christ is. And by virtue of Christ in you, you are made right to God and have access to him. And family... Does this mean that you're not going to mess up? Man, I messed up. It's taken me 20 years to get where I am and I've still got a long way to go. But it's been a rough road. It's been a tough road. But I've always been the tax collector. I've messed up so many times. But I always like that, that criminal on that cross. I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. And slowly but surely, he has been cleaning me up. And that's the life we live. 
Never thinking sin's okay. It's not okay. But living a life of repentance. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Now friends, maybe there's some of you listening today and you might think, wow, I feel like that criminal on that cross. You know, Pastor Carl, when you spoke, you know, my, my flesh is dominating me. The Holy Spirit is not leading me. You know, maybe my conscience has been seared. Maybe there's things that I've, I've allowed in my life and my conscience has been seared and I want the Holy Spirit to lead me. I want to be sensed. I want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit again. I want a fresh start. I want the Holy Spirit to, to tell me if there's a movie that I'm watching or if there's something that I'm doing. I want to hear His voice so that I can be obedient with Him. I want to be born again. I want the Spirit of Christ in me. I want the seal on me. I want a fresh start. Or maybe you have been born again and maybe you've messed up and maybe you need to just get back on your knees and just push that reset button again. And you know, I've pushed that reset button hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of times. Maybe thousands of times. But I've always pressed that reset button. And God can always work and move in a person that is surrendered and submitted to Jesus and wants to change. So I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you the first step to being born again. And the scripture tells us in Romans 10 verse 8. That if you declare Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and you know that first part is really just surrendering it's just saying you know Lord I just want to make you my Lord I've been my Lord for too much I want to put you in control I want to make you my God to believe that God raised him from the dead that's an historical fact. For 40 days, Jesus was here on this earth. He appeared to many, to the multitudes. And that is not only in the Bible, but it's in secular history. That's a fact. That's a fact. And so I want you to pray with me. But I, as the Holy Spirit has been moving in your heart and convicting in your heart, listen to the Holy Spirit now. This is your first opportunity because the Bible says, Behold, I knock at the door. And many of you, he's knocking at the door of your heart. You might have gone to church all your life. You might be the Pharisee. You might think you got it all together. Listen, you missed it. Unless you are born again. And if you have that attitude, if you have that attitude, man, you need to get right with God. You need to get right with God. And so if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's join our faith. This is all about you being saved again. And with a sincere heart, pray this to God. If you've been there and you've gotten off track and you want to get back again, pray this to me. If, even if you just want to recommit your life, even if you love Jesus and you want to do it again, just do it. Let's push the reset button. So family, bow your heads, close your eyes, and remember you are speaking to God. If you feel him knocking on the door of your heart, allow him in. Allow him in. Let him come in and touch and change you. So say this after me. 
So, Father, today I make a decision that I need Jesus. I can sense you, Holy Spirit, speaking to me. And my first step of following you and being obedient to you is me declaring that Jesus Christ, I'm letting you in. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my heart. Please forgive me for my sins. Please forgive me for all the mistakes that I've made. Please wash me and cleanse me. Push the reset button on my life. I believe that you died for me. And you rose again. And right now I declare. Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. And I am your child. And I surrender my life to you. And I ask you sincerely. To take me by the hand. And walk with me through this life. And every time I fail. I thank you Jesus. That you stand always ready. With open arms. Ready to accept the black sheep. And to forgive me. To cleanse me. And help me to improve in this journey of life. And I thank you Jesus. That I know. That when I die one day. I will start living. And close my eyes on this earth. And open them. To gaze on your beauty and your kingdom. I thank you there's nothing I could ever do to earn your righteousness. There's nothing that I could ever do to earn anything from you. You love me all the same. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen and amen. Friends, family, if you've prayed that prayer and the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, give us a thumbs up, give us a shout out, give us a comment, and uh, let's like and share these videos so that more people can see them. So friends and family, thank you so very much. It's been a a privilege to spend this time with you. And uh, remember to catch us on uh, Wednesday night at uh, half past seven. Seven for uh, for the Wow uh, Word on a Wednesday. Thank you so much. Have an amazing Sunday. We trust that you are truly blessed and encouraged by this message. If you would like to find out more about Christ Encounter Ministries in Longabon, please feel free to check out our website at ChristEncounter.co.za.